0: One, or two, or three, or four, five, force five,
1: Welcome to the Force Five Podcast, a show where I force my guests to come up with a movie-themed five list, and then we talk about our picks on air. I'm your host, Jason Kleberg, and today, my guest is fellow podcaster and friend, Vince Kroger from the Guardians of Discourse. How's it going, Vince?
0: It is going great. How about yourself?
1: I am fantastic. For those of you who don't know Vince, Vince is one of these people that I would get off work and talk with Vince about movies in the parking lot for like hours after we were off. It was good
0: times. Thank you for having me on.
1: So, what are your favorite movies, just in general?
0: Oh man, I'm I'm a smorgasbord. Uh, as you know, between the two of us, I mean we we definitely enjoy a, a good horror movie now and again. I would say probably my favorite genre comes down to action. Definitely, like, I'm, I'm a big war movie buff, probably more than anything. But I definitely love my horror movies, and I do love my superhero movies, too, Kleeberg.
1: Which leads us to our list topic. Top five superhero movies. In terms of war movies, what, what would you say is your favorite war movie of all time? Ooh. And then thinking about horror, too, what's your favorite horror movie of all time?
0: Okay, let's see. Favorite war movie, I would always default to a Saving Private Ryan kind of thing. but Can't wrong there. Yeah, but I think I'm going to go more recent because recent war movies, we've had quite a few good ones um, in recent years. I really like the movie Hacksaw Ridge. I think it's fantastic. I think the whole story, based on a true story, obviously, but I think it's really cool that the whole movie is based on somebody who literally defers to not fighting in a war. and just focuses on completely being a medic the whole time. And that that whole storyline was really cool to me. Um, but as far as cinematic-wise, 1917 was amazing. Like, love 1917. Dude, it deserved every bit of anything, any award that it ever got. I don't even know what it got if it did, but it deserved it all. That whole... How well that crew, director, cinematographer actors everything that went into that and how they were able to make it basically one clean shot with all kinds of like the cuts were so clean like fine minute cuts you couldn't even tell they were there i mean that's a different ball game so i don't have to pick a favorite of those i just have to pick a favorite of freaking superhero movies which you know. <laughs> tough, <laughs> tough. it is what, it's hard what about
1: horror movies favorite
0: horror movie of all time oh god poltergeist is one of them because it's just so weird. (laughs) It's solid. Uh, Do you consider a Clockwork Orange a horror movie? Yeah, I think it's kind of a hybrid. Isn't it? It's kind of like, I I would say that, because that's a pretty good movie. And if if I'm looking at it like a horror movie, it's definitely a good horror movie. Um, I'm not a big slasher film guy. I'm definitely more into the suspense kind of thing. What's your favorite?
1: My favorite horror movie of all time is another one, kind of like Clockwork Orange, where it's, It's a hybrid, and that's Silence of the Lambs. I think that's one of the scariest movies I've ever seen. But I have a really big soft spot for 2002's The Ring as well. (laughs) Yeah. Well, today we're talking superhero movies. We've each come up with a list of five superhero movies that we think are the best, and I'm really looking forward to getting into that. But first, got to talk about what we have been watching lately. And I'm going to keep it all superhero today. I've got two things that I've been watching, both having to do with superheroes. But I'm going to start out with the Amazon original series, The Boys.
0: The greatest superhero team the world's ever seen.
1: The Seven.
0: Is there anything I can help you with? I'm not going to piss you about, Chewie. I heard what happened to Robin. You ain't alone, son. Soups lose hundreds of people each year to collateral damage.
1: I can't stop. I can't stop. Robin! They were my fitness on the front
0: page. It's where I mean, the boys are coming. Spank the bastards when they get out of line. Oh my God.
1: Can you control her, please? You need to unclench your
0: asshole. Why don't you two carry on like a bunch of fucking twins? You got a fucking job to do.
1: I'm invincible, stupid motherfuckers.
0: I. I'm not caught up at the moment, but from what I hear, it's really diving deep into Homelander. And I love that because he is terrifying.
1: He is terrifying. This <laughs> is one of the stories where you have real life superheroes, but what if they weren't Superman clean? What if they were superheroes who abused their superpowers for themselves? Yeah. It is really, really good.
0: It is amazing. It is like it is like taking taking superheroes and putting it into a deranged horror movie.
1: Yeah, it, it gets really horrifying at times, but it also deals with things like um, like identity crises and politicizing of superheroes. You also have things like marketing. You know, they have to go through a marketing team, and there's a big corporation conglomerate that's in charge of these superheroes. And it's really, really kind of amusing how that plays out.
0: It is. It was so fascinating watching the whole first season play out the way it did. And it's like, man, it really focused on on the girl, obviously. What's her name in the show? Starlight. Starlight. Really focused on her and her upcoming into this you know, world that has been established as something that's so great and amazing. And really following her through it and her story and then just oh and then it gets into this season and i'm like man i can't even imagine
1: yeah it focuses on the this team called the seven and they're basically the major league of superheroes
0: they're the justice league
1: yeah if you want to be if you want to be a superhero that's your goal to be in the seven and then there's this other group that are the boys And the boys want to try and take down these superheroes because they know of all the atrocities that these superheroes are committing. And uh, it also focuses on people new to the seven who aren't really corrupt yet. And they have to kind of navigate that group. And it's really, it's really good. It also is really violent. It's a, it's a hard R and Amazon is taking advantage of the fact that they don't have to go through a rating system. There is Blood and gore, like you wouldn't believe in this show.
0: Yeah. Spoiler alert. I'm just gonna, I'm gonna do a little bit of a spoiler alert. It's the very beginning of the show, the very first episode. If you watch even two, five minutes of the show, and you will already see this part. Spoiler alert. But when he, the speedster, oh, yeah, A Train, A Train, man, the very beginning, you're just watching this girl. She comes out of a coffee shop, walks out to the street next thing you know boom speedster literally blows her into a million pieces he runs <laughs> through her
1: because he, he doesn't see her and all you see and it took me by complete surprise because i was kind of watching and i was kind of doing something else and all of a sudden she steps into the street like you said and zip all of a sudden she's just pieces it was crazy
0: yeah it was freaking amazing and you mentioned
1: Homelander played by Anthony Starr, who I knew from the TV show Banshee. He is, I never saw that. Oh, it's Banshee's. Honestly, a great
0: show. I hadn't he looked familiar. I've I don't think I've ever seen him in anything other than the boys.
1: He's largely a TV actor. He's he's been in a couple of movies, but he was largely a TV actor. He's great in Banshee. If you want a show that has action scenes that rival that of movies, Banshee's a great pick. Really, he as Homelander is fantastic.
0: Is it Carl Urban? Is he the one that plays Billy Butcher? Yep. Oh, dude, because he's the one that plays in. Uh, he plays the Doctor in in Star Trek, right?
1: Yeah, and he's also he was Dread in the remake of yes. Dread,
0: which is awesome.
1: Carl Urban, fantastic as Billy Butcher.
0: Yeah, he's amazing as Billy Butcher.
1: Really, I only have one complaint about the series, and it's that I, I just cannot stand the character of Huey.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I agree with you.
1: I hope I'll come around. I hope Huey grows on me, but so far, I'm a couple, couple episodes into season two, and Huey has not yet grown on me, so I'm hoping that happens. But it's a really, really great show.
0: Yeah. I love it.
1: That's the boys on Amazon Prime. What's something that you've been watching?
0: Man, you know what? Lately... I've been very removed um, just because I've been having internet trouble. So my streaming services haven't been going very well. But when I do sit down, uh, I made a promise to a couple friends that I would uh, actually sit through as an anime fan, I would sit through and watch Naruto. And so I'm kind of doing that. It's a big name out there. Everyone that's anyone that watches anime has watched that show and I have not. So I've been kind of going through and watching that. It actually, believe it or not, falls into kind of the superhero theme because everybody in that show has a power. It's basically power, similar to kind of My Hero Academia for anyone out there who is an anime fan. It's basically, it's all about superheroes and the the different quirks that people are born with. And it's it's literally just a superhero show. I, it's just amazing. So... That's pretty much been most of my watching. But now that I'm back on track, The Boys is definitely going to be one of them. Movies-wise, man, I haven't watched very many movies recently. Pretty much usually take what you tell me to watch, and then I'm kind of like, all right, bro, I'm going to watch it. <laughs> well, let me tell
1: you about one more thing I've been watching. I watched the Netflix original movie Project Power.
0: Power power, speak a little louder. If there was a pill. Hungry money. I'm coming at the power, power. That could give you five minutes. Spill it so they get it. I'm embedded with the power. A pure power. I'm embedded with the power. Would you take it? Find that source. Listen to my voice. Am I lying?
1: (laughs) Welcome to Project Power. Our goal is simple. The next evolution of the human species.
0: You ever taken one of those before? It can make you strong. Make you invisible. You never know what your power is until you try it. You push that power, don't you? Yeah. On the streets, they're talking about superpowers, but they're not talking about how one hit could kill you. My buddy Dorian was just telling me about that the other day, actually. That's the one with uh, Jamie Foxx, right? It is. So it stars Jamie Foxx, Joseph
1: Gordon-Levitt, and Dominique Fishback. It's, uh, a, it's a story about New Orleans, and this new narcotic has been invented, and it's been distributed through the city that gives the user five minutes of extraordinary powers. So you take this pill. Now, here's the catch. You don't know what your power is going to be. It's always going to be the same for you, but you don't know what it's going to be at first.
0: You know what's crazy is that I used to have this thing that I... Now, I don't know if this is a thing in the movie because I haven't seen it, but I've always wondered, you know, that question, like, if you could think of the worst superpower... Like, yeah, I definitely believe that I would be the person that takes the pill. And like, all of a sudden I've got the worst superpower known to man. Like I shoot (laughs) staples out of my eyelids or something.
1: So you take this pill and the theory in the movie is that you have strands of DNA in your being from animals down the line. And this pill brings that DNA strand out. So for example, you might have the ability to run as fast as a cheetah. Or you might have the ability to blend into your surroundings like a gecko, or you might have you might just explode. So that's the drawback. When you talk about worst superhero power, you might take this pill and then just explode. <laughs> so that's kind of like the setup for the movie. Uh, but we follow Jamie Foxx, who plays an ex Delta Force operative, and he wants to find out who distributes the pills. And then you have this girl named Robin, who's in the middle, and she so plays- this
0: so this pill is illegal. It's illegal.
1: It's illegal. Okay. And the the cops are trying to find out who's distributing uh, this character arts trying to find that out too. And then Robin plays a drug dealer who is caught up in the middle of things. It's a, uh, it's a really great looking movie with some great special effects and some awesome colors. And it's got some really good characters, but I think it has a really weak script. And I think that's the, that's the drawback of this movie you can see the ending coming a mile away and there's characters like joseph gordon levitt's character who I actually really like in the film he just if you took him out of the movie completely the movie would still be the same right he's kind of unnecessary but the effects are great there's a scene where a character fully engulfs in flames his uh he has the power of the tuna which can basically light on fire to get people away from it or come up to very extreme temperatures. The the tuna? Yeah. The, the tuna fish, which
0: <laughs> I, I didn't
1: realize this either, but a tuna can get really, really hot so that other fish won't, won't eat it.
0: You know what? I have a feeling that that power was literally discovered watching something on the discovery channel. Like that writer <laughs> That writer, they, they had probably already written the movie and they're like, all right, we just need to come up with freaking whatever powers these people are going to have. Cause at that point, you know, you're just coming up with other stuff and he's probably sitting there and he's like, wait, what a tuna can, what he's like watching wicked tuna and they're like, yeah, <laughs> freaking these things can get super hot. And he's like, what do you mean? It can get super hot. And then he starts diving deep into it and then he's like, oh yeah, we're going to have tuna man for sure. <laughs> world's deadliest catch <laughs> world's, yeah like what is that okay so they can get i didn't know this so they can get really hot you learned this from this movie did you know this before that of course i did not know this before. Yeah, okay Nobody knew all this right before so that. listen man we're informing the world right now that hasn't watched this movie like watch out for tunas well okay so what's this whole deal they can get super hot like what
1: what, what well of course in the movie it's exaggerated and this character is, is able catch a t- to fire Burst into flames. Yeah, he's essentially the human torch. Um, there's other char- There are other characters that become bulletproof, like uh, the shielding on an armadillo. It's one of those ones that you kind of have to turn your brain off to enjoy, but seeing as that we didn't have any superhero movies or big blockbusters in theaters this year that we can go see because of this pandemic, it was. I, I enjoyed myself with it. It's not one that I'm probably going to revisit, but I did have fun watching it.
0: It says... Tuna can elevate their temperature up to 20 degrees Celsius. Which is pretty hot. Above that of the surrounding water, which is pretty intense. Have you ever heard of the pistol shrimp? Can't say that I have. All right, let me tell you about the
1: pistol shrimp's power. (laughs) (laughs) Which is super cool. I had no idea this existed in nature, but a pistol shrimp has one small snapper and one giant snapper that's about half of the size of his whole body. (laughs) And the giant snapper can snap so quickly that underwater it evaporates the water around it, turning it into almost the power of the sun. It's small, but what? it snaps so quick that the water around it turns to 8,000 <laughs> degrees, which is essentially a tiny sun. That is dope. Yeah, and then the water collapses back through the bubble, and then whatever was in that bubble goes straight to the shrimp so you can eat it
0: wow insane. i looked it up on google and it immediately pops up with a shrimp with a cowboy hat on holding two pistols <laughs> so that's pretty cool though the power of the that is that's intense that's kind of like when you think about an ant and how strong an ant is
1: there's a lot of cool powers at play here this is a good one if you want to just kind of uh settle into a newer superhero movie and Watch some pretty decent performances and some really, really
0: cool special effects. Did Joseph Gordon-Levitt do a good job, though?
1: Yeah, he's great. He's, he's great in everything. His character doesn't make a whole lot of sense, but him as an actor, you just can't complain with him.
0: I mean, was it a hard role to do? Sounds kind of like the character. Not. Okay, yeah.
1: No, he's uh, your typical stock police officer. Well, that's what we've been watching. Let's get into our list of top five superhero movies. Who are the superheroes that got you into superheroes in general?
0: Oh, God. Okay, so when I was a kid, Superman was it. Like, Superman was my guy. I used to watch the Justice League, Batman. I used to watch the old Adam West Batmans. My dad was older, so, like, I watched, you know, the Lone Ranger was a hero to me. Like, as far as I'm concerned, the Lone Ranger is a superhero. Like, he's he's badass, right? But Superman... Spider Man was a big one. I used to watch The Amazing Spider Man all the time. That was one of my favorite little cartoon shows. I mean, I would even throw the Ninja Turtles in the pot. Because I used sure. to watch Ninja Turtles all the time. They might as well be superheroes. X Men. But definitely as far as, you know, favorite superheroes, it's it's definitely I stupidly I mean, everybody always gives me shit for it, but Superman's definitely always been my he's always been my hero, if anything.
1: Right on. Yeah, I was a uh, I I never really read the Superman comics when I was younger, but I remember getting this box of comics for one Christmas. I think my mom went to a garage sale or something, and she just got this box of comics with random stuff in it. And there was a lot of Spider-Man in there. And I think that's why I became so attached to Spider-Man. He was definitely my favorite.
0: Yeah, he's 100% my favorite Marvel character for sure.
1: And when it comes to your list, did you have any qualifications? Did you put it kind of in an order of, like, number one being your absolute favorite? Were there any qualifications that you ruled movies out for?
0: you know what? I love all superhero movies. So it's very difficult to, to do that. But I was trying to stay away from some stereotypical liked movies, just because there's so many that I like that it's really hard to narrow it down. This was a really hard, this was a really hard one to do. I didn't expect it to be this hard. So there's a lot of honorable mentions, I'm sure on both sides.
1: Yeah, we'll, we'll touch on those later too.
0: In terms of how I narrowed it down, I would say it's what how, what impact that it had on me personally. Like, it's going to dig into kind of my favorite characters, as well as the effect it had on me in an entertainment facet. Just, you know, I wanted to make sure that these movies either gave me an experience, they either created an experience for future movies, or um, had a lasting impact on me personally.
1: That's great criteria. All right, so let's get into our list. What is your number five on your top five superhero movies?
0: My number five is Logan. We got ourselves an X Men fan. Maybe a quarter of it happened, and not like this.
1: In the real world, people die. Logan. I don't want to talk about it. Logan. Just stop. Be careful. I need the girl.
0: What girl? Go get her.
1: No. No.
0: No. Logan is, if you guys aren't familiar, it is my my man, Huge Jackman. He is, obviously, through most X-Men movies, he is Wolverine. But as most of you have probably followed him, when you get to the most old form of Wolverine, the grittiest, the most downtrodden, Life has screwed you over. Just, you are at the baseline of your life. Like, you've lived, obviously, we know how long Wolverine has lived and what he's lived through. But when you hit that bottom level and you have to take care of a small girl who is also a mutant that people are seeking out and you get this Logan at his bottom of his core it is one of the greatest superhero movies for its grit it was so good the fight scenes in the movie you're just watching Hugh Jackman with gray hair and pulling out his freaking Wolverine claws and just ripping people apart it's just so good so and he's cussing he's cussing the whole movie How could you ask for anything more? It's like watching a Deadpool movie, but like badass.
1: I agree. This was actually my number three. So I'm going to talk about it now, too. Like you said, it's gritty and the violence is brutal. It's also really stylized in a really cool way with the slow motion from Professor X. There's a scene in particular where you just see Logan going at people with claws in slow motion, and it's like nothing I've ever
0: seen before. Yeah, especially in a superhero movie.
1: I've always said one of my favorite things about Logan is that it's a small-scale superhero story, which I really do enjoy. I get tired of the whole, if you don't defeat the villain, the whole world is going to end. And in this one, it's just he's trying to keep one girl and get her from point A to point B. Yeah, it's
0: literally just a side quest, kind of. It is. He's he's just, he's he's already done all the big stuff. He's not trying to necessarily save the world, quote-unquote. He's just trying to, this came across his lap, and it's almost like, it's almost like throughout the movie, this came across his lap and he's like mad about it. He's like, damn it. Like It, it is, <laughs> really, it is. Yeah, he's, he's mad that he has to do this because his moral code, obviously, as a, as a hero is, I'm going to do this, but god damn it, I'm going to be fucking pissed about it.
1: It's clearly influenced by Westerns, too, just with the theme and the coloring of the, the entire That's movie. That's a good
0: point. I never even thought of that. This one has a ton of
1: heart too. It's one of the first superhero movies that made me cry.
0: Yeah, yeah.
1: There's absolute stakes in it as well. It's not like some of those superhero movies where you watch it and you realize nobody's gonna die in this thing. There are deaths in this movie that will, that <laughs> yeah, will hit you. It is. Yeah, it's got stakes, which a lot yeah. of movies don't have. And like you said, rated R. This is a hard R. It earns that R rating. It which does. I that's logan that's your number five it was my number three so i'll just move it to my number five so let's move on to your number four what do you got at number four
0: i will say that my number four comes in as the original toby Maguire spider-man who am i you sure you want to know
1: if somebody told you i was just your average ordinary guy not a care in the world somebody lied truth is, it wasn't always like this. There was a time when life was a lot less complicated.
0: Can I take your picture for the school paper? Sure. In this lab, we have 15 genetically enhanced super spiders. There's 14. One's missing. Peter, are you all right? I'm fine. Pete, hey, look,
1: you're changing. I know I going to do exactly the same thing at your age. No, not exactly.
0: And the reason I chose this one, because, I mean, I could choose a lot of them. Obviously, all the Spider-Man movies are good, right? All the, all the Avengers movies are great. But Tobey Maguire's Spider-Man, when you think about the time that it came out. So the movie came out in 2002, which, to really think about it, that was, that was a long time ago. I was pretty young. I know I was around my teens, right? Yeah. And I remember that this was the first movie I went to the movie theaters and saw without my parents. So i I probably was 13. I had to be around that age cuz I didn't I didn't really go out, you know, without my parents very often until and most kids, you know, when you're 13. So I remember I went with my friend, we went to see Spider-Man and no as far as I know, no Spider-Man movie had ever been done before this. This was like, this was a big deal. Yeah. And Tobey Maguire wasn't known. Nobody knew Tobey Maguire before this movie. And he comes out and just the casting, J. Jonah Jameson, J.K. Simmons, amazing. I didn't know, obviously I was a kid, I didn't know about J.K. Simmons and how amazing he is. And if you've never seen, uh, I always talk tell people to watch Whiplash if you've never seen it, because that's an amazing movie. Oh, yeah. Even the second one that followed after that was still good because, you know, you get Doc Ock involved and stuff like that. But, I mean, the Green Goblin, you had James Franco, you had uh William Dafoe. Like, the casting was so good. The script was good. You had CGI that was being done that nobody freaking knew about. And the, the soundtrack, like, I even had the freaking CD, man, for the soundtrack. And the movie itself was just a very well-done film. And I think the reason I put this in my list is not only that, but it paved the way for all the other Spider-Mans that came after it. Not even because of it. I mean, we could say because of its success, but because people realized how much they love Spider-Man based on his character. Like He was Peter Parker. Like He was the dorky... The dorky dude, like even when he became all buff after the Spider-Man stuff, like he clearly was he was a goob. So Spider-Man definitely has to be my number four, has to be in my list. It's interchangeable with Logan in terms of its spacing, like where it's placed on the list, but definitely it's definitely in my top five.
1: I remember seeing the first one too, and I went in, I remember I went in with really low expectations and came out blown away. Because before that, superhero movies were kind of few and far between, and they didn't really make a whole lot of money. And you said this paved the way for Spider-Man. This actually kind of paved the way for all superhero movies as we know them today. Yeah, exactly. This grand spectacle that we hadn't seen in superhero movies since probably the 70s with the Christopher Reeve Superman movies, which yeah. and were I mean limited by what you could do in the 70s.
0: Let's see. We had had... We had had obviously all of the Superman movies. Batman, up until that point, we had only had Tim Burton's Batman. I think the most recent one before that was what? Batman and Robin?
1: Yeah, once the Batman movies turned to garbage.
0: Yeah, so we really didn't have anything, and that was pretty much it. And then Spider Man comes out and just paves the way. All of a sudden, next thing you know, you've got Spider Man 2, Spider Man 3, and then Iron Man. So it's just, it's so cool that, you know, Spider Man did that.
1: Yeah, it's a great choice and one that I felt bad leaving off my list. I just didn't have any room for it. <laughs> my number four is from Disney. We're going animated here. We're going with Big Hero 6 from 2014.
0: All right, let me get this straight. A man in a kabuki mask attacked you with an army of miniature flying robots. Microbots! Baymax, tell them! Yes, officer. Ah! Microbots?
1: Yeah, he was controlling them telepathically with a neurocranial transmitter.
0: Come on! I am not fast. Yeah, no kidding! Go, 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 go! So Mr. Kabuki was using ESP to attack you and Balloon Man.
1: I really love Big Hero 6. I know it's not the best thing that Disney has has ever done, but it's really colorful and it's really fun. And I think it's a really good story of how this superhero team comes together. So it's essentially about this kid named Hero and he is a prodigy with technology and he uses his skills to battle robots and he gets money that way. But when a tragedy happens in his life, he has to use his skills to become a superhero. And he uses a tool that his brother built named Baymax, who is supposed to be a, a medical device. It's a big blow up doll that's essentially a medical. It's, it's um, like a nurse robot. Yeah, it's a nurse. It says, here's what's wrong with you and here's how you fix it. But of course, he modifies it to make it into a, kind of a superhero sidekick. And then he brings a bunch of his brother's friends together to become this team It's great. I think the animation is fantastic. Baymax, who is the nurse character, is awesome. And I think he provides a ton of actual laughs. Some of the funniest Disney scenes I can remember from him. I think the animation's fantastic. It takes place in this hybrid city of San Francisco and Tokyo. I think it's called San Fransokyo or something like that. It's got really great effects. I actually think it has a really good soundtrack too. And I was surprised by the score. There's one moment that gets really dark where Hiro tells Baymax to kill somebody, and the score that kicks in is brilliant. I think it's one of the coolest moments that I've ever seen in a Disney film when it comes to the score. Uh, I really love Big Hero 6.
0: If you were to pair that movie against any other Disney or Pixar movie, it is very different in terms of the atmosphere that it gives you the way that the the main character interacts throughout the story it is probably the most troubled main character of all the movies if there was a main character that was troubled mostly because of the obviously the event that transpires but the big the, the big hero 6 like basically throughout the whole movie sticking to its moral code and like going through all of those things and then like the the comedic relief i mean they literally just created a bot that's soft like a super literally a superhero that's just soft. That's how they express it all the time. This guy is a balloon that yeah. will if he punches anything it just goes squeak. Like that's pretty much it. And because of that it adds the comedic relief. It's a very good balance between the main character's trials and and trife that it that he's going through and also the the comedic relief of the actual balloon that is representative of his brother who created it. And ultimately, you know, it's just, it was a very good story in terms of how that character's development came to fruition at the end. Yeah, it's
1: got some MacGuffins too. It's got some cool twists and it's it's dark enough feel to have adults like it, but it's not dark enough that you're afraid to show your kids the movie. I know you have a young kid, so do I, and my kid's seen this movie hundreds of times. He loves it. Yeah. It's just fun for everybody. Big Hero Six, that's my number
0: four. My number three. Yours was Logan, right? Your number Mine was
1: Logan, yeah. I I pushed Logan down to number five for for us, but it was my number three.
0: Okay. My number three is going to be Man of Steel. The world's too big, Mom. Then make it small. Focus on my voice.
1: Pretend it's an island. Out in the ocean. Can you see it? I see it. My son was in the bus. He saw what Clark
0: did. You have to keep this side of yourself a secret. What was I supposed to do? Just let him die?
1: Maybe. I have so many questions. Where do I come from? have to decide what kind of man you want to grow up to be Clark whoever that man is he's going to change the world
0: I'm a huge Zack Snyder fan and in my eyes he can do no wrong and With all the stuff with Justice League, he really didn't do any wrong, and they're proving that with the Zack Snyder cut. So, Zack Snyder, obviously known for 300, mostly. How he creates these movies based on this graphic novel, and is one of my favorite movies of all time, he is able to portray things in such a way that even though it's dark, it's still, it's just a different, it's just his style. And up until... Man of Steel, the only way, and accurate, rightfully so, but the only way we've ever seen Superman is clean, not in any dark light. He can only do good, and there's nothing, you know, no different, right? And in Man of Steel, obviously, we've seen all these different Superman movies where they're constantly just reiterating his origin, where he came from, comes from Krypton his father sends him down in the spaceship, Krypton's destroyed, he's found by his parents on Earth, and all of those things, right? So we've seen it, it's been reiterated to us, and we get it. In this movie, Zack Snyder knows that, and by doing the way he did it, where he just establishes, like, yeah, he's here, and now he's an adult. That in itself was already like okay cool like we're watching we're getting down to the good stuff already like we don't need to see all the beginning stuff because i don't need to see it again i've seen it a million times there's no reason to keep doing it that way and for him to establish it not only i mean we've got first of all (laughs) henry cavill as superman he's the perfect superman he's the perfect man in my opinion this man is the most gorgeous creature on this earth can't argue there oh dude And he's got a British accent. He's just he's just a nice guy. Like if you watch interviews with him, he's just a an amazing person. I if I could meet him in real life, it'd be a dream come true. You have him established, he's in, he's grizzled, he's out working in freaking the ice, and he's he's just like a like a lumberjack man out there. And to to show from there to when he actually adopts the real Superman persona. As Kal El, like the real Superman, and he goes and sees Jor El inside the spaceship. You, you can't go wrong, not uh, with uh, Russell Crowe. Like, come on. The reason it got so much criticism was because one, a lot of people don't like Superman. It's he's too OP, and he's he's just another you know superhero that can do whatever, and he's a god. So immediately he's obviously going to be looked as a bad person cuz he doesn't really have any trials but in this movie they really show the trials that he goes through in the sense that he has so much conviction in having so much power and having to maintain he can't sacrifice his morals or at least he's trying not to you know at the end of the movie what what happens happens and the reason I say Henry Cavill is so good for this part is his acting at the end when he has to do it is like, Barna, it's amazing. He he illustrates to us how hard and how broken he is because he has to do this, and it's the only way to do it. And they've already established through many scenes that this is the only way you're going to be able to stop this. It's such a dark turn, and not saying that we shouldn't get lighter after this, but definitely established why Superman is so important to the realm of superheroes and that movie was just so well done and I love Zack Snyder and that is easily in my top five.
1: It's also got Michael Shannon in a great role too who is great in everything but um, yeah he really knocked it out of the park as General Zod here.
0: Yeah he really is He he plays a very good villain. All right
1: that was your number three Man of Steel. My number three is Avengers Endgame.
0: God, seems like a thousand years ago. I fought my way out of that cave. Became Iron Man. Realized I loved you. I know I said no more surprises, but I was really hoping to pull off one last one. The world has changed none of us can go back.
1: All we can do is our best. And
0: sometimes the best that we can do is to start over.
1: So I think that I like Avengers Endgame, not only because I think the movie works, but because It's a feat that we will probably never in our lifetime see again. A culmination of 22 movies coming together into one movie. So when we talk about, you know, Spider-Man started the superhero movie as we know it today, and then Iron Man started Marvel Cinematic Universe, and it snowballed into a movie in 2019 that spawned so many movies before it and it all comes down to this one moment. Do you remember
0: how hard it was at first to get a ticket to see this movie? Yeah, I remember because I remember sitting at work on my phone, and as soon as it dropped, as soon as those tickets dropped, I immediately got them. I bought 10 tickets <laughs> the minute it dropped because it was like, man, I, obviously I want to sit with all my friends, we're going to go. I don't even have 10 friends right now to go see it with, but I'm going to buy 10 tickets just in case. And I'll just return them if I don't need them. But yeah, man, it was it was a build up. You talk about establishing characters. I mean, when Iron Man first came out, that was not the intent at all. Nobody was thinking, we're going to have an Avengers Infinity War movie. Like, nobody was thinking that. They were just like, let's try Iron Man. And at that point, what, Robert Downey Jr.? I mean, he was kind of coming out of his bad phase. Yeah. So... That was like his reinvention and obviously it worked, but his reinvention was Iron Man. And then you had Iron Man two. And we still, I mean, up until how long after that did it take before we got Thor? It was a while. And then all of a sudden it's like, Hey, you know what? And you know, they were sitting there like, we can just, we can really make something cool out of this. And then you had Dr. Strange and you had like all these other, you know, movies coming out and being established and just, If you took all of those movies out of the equation, even just just the character development in general, and you were to take just the Avengers movies and what impact those movies had on each other without anything else, I mean, those movies alone were absolutely great, but they never would have been what they were without all the other single established movies.
1: There's so many characters that you have to put into this movie when you think about not just your Captain Americas and your Iron Mans, but now you have Hawkeye, you have Black Widow, you have Black Panther, you have the Guardians of the Galaxy. You've got all these characters that you have to somehow smash into one movie and make it work, and
0: they did it. Not only did it, but when they did it in Endgame, when it all came together, you had every person choked up in tears or getting goosebumps. Yeah, there's a moment when he says, Avengers assemble. <laughs> I mean, and then you hear on your left, and as soon as you hear that, it's like game over. Like I was, I had, it was goosebumps. I was, you, you know, when you get so into something that you feel the tears welling up, it's not like you're crying, but like you just get so emotional that like your nose starts to kind of swell and you, your eyes well up. And it was just like, wow, this is just powerful, powerful.
1: I'll be the first to admit I wasn't really that impressed with Infinity War because although there was a great cliffhanger at the end of Infinity War, as a movie fan, you know, that's not the end of these characters that have just been snapped away. Right. But with Endgame, there were actual real stakes. We have characters that I did not expect that would die. Right. And real stakes here. It had a great balance between drama and comedy. It was really cool to relive some moments from past movies. They do a thing where people kind of go back in time and you get to see these moments from a different perspective. It, it really is something that we'll never see again. We're never going to see this buildup that comes together this great. This is something yeah. you'll never see again. And I have to appreciate Endgame for that.
0: Absolutely. And you would truly be hard-pressed, to, like you said, to ever find something like it but to ever compare anything to it is just it's trivial like don't even bother
1: yeah it's impossible it'll never happen again no
0: because it, the impact that it had on on superhero movies on film on i mean record breaking sales this was truly something that that is to be to be marveled i like what ah, you did there i like what you
1: did there so this is my number three, Avengers Endgame. Everybody should know about Avengers Endgame. And if you haven't seen it, what are you waiting for? Jump on Disney Plus and just binge all 22 movies. Yeah, for
0: real. What do you got for number two? Guardians of the Galaxy, baby. Now! <laughs> <laughs> yeah, hey, cool, man. No problem. No problem at all. Who are you? Star-Lord. Who? Star-Lord, man? Legendary Outlaw? Forget it.
1: We arrested these five on Xandar. Check out the rap sheets. Drax, AKA the Destroyer. Since his wife and family were killed, he's been on a rampage across the galaxy in his search for vengeance. Gamora, soldier, assassin, wanted on over a dozen counts of murder. Rocket, wanted on over 50 charges of vehicular theft and escape from lockup. <laughs> What the hell? he has been traveling recently as Rocket's personal houseplant slash muscle. Peter Jason Quill. He's also known as Star Lord. Who calls him that? Himself, mostly. He's wanted largely on charges of minor assault, public intoxication, and fraud. Oh, I'm
0: sorry. I I didn't know how this machine worked. The reason this is on here and the reason it's so high is because I have never watched a more naturally funny superhero movie ever. I I mean, we can equate it to both the Guardians movies because really they're both amazing. But the first Guardians movie, I'm big on casting. Like, if you can pull together a bunch of people that you would never expect to be together in the movie, it's just amazing. And if you've if you've never seen the movie before, The Guardians of the Galaxy is basically just a bunch of intergalactic nobodies. Just cr- either criminals or otherwise that just go together and they Are trying to you know band together and stop something the guardians of the galaxy are basically a superhero group similar not i won't say it's like the suicide squad because the suicide squad's a bunch of villains these people are actually good people that just in bad places and they basically are yeah space pirates yeah space pirates you've got groot who's a giant tree man thing you've got rocket who's technically it's not a raccoon it's a person that was turned into a raccoon. Um, you've got Drax, Gamora, and Peter Quill. Drax is basically a giant, I I would call him the barbarian of the group. He's just kind of a dagger-wielding, big brute, played by Batista, Dave Batista. Rockets voiced by Bradley Cooper, amazing. Can't go wrong there. You've got Gamora with Zoe Saldana, and then you've got Chris Pratt playing Peter Quill, or Star-Lord, as he is known in the in the comic universe. James Gunn is is your your one and only director for this, and he is so good at creating that natural comedy. Obviously, you put Chris Pratt into any role, and he's naturally going to be funny. You don't even have to try; like he's he's going to give you a, a comedic role. And n- up until this point, like we had never really seen Dave Batista in anything at this caliber, other than being a wrestler in the WWE, and. He did such a great job in this movie. I mean, truly, truly great. He he embraced that character, became that character, and that it was just so well written for him to. It was like a layup. Zoe Saldana is always good in everything she does. The script for this movie was so good in that. I didn't even believe from the first one or the second one that it was really going to tie in to the Avengers universe. Even though I knew they were a part of the Infinity War based on the comics, I never anticipated based on what they were doing in the movie, I didn't expect it to become kind of a thing. It was so good. It held such a place in my heart.
1: This was the movie that I realized that Marvel could do no wrong. Right? Were you familiar with the Guardians of the Galaxy before? No, no. Yeah, neither was I. So I heard the description of you have this dude that's a tree. You have (laughs) a raccoon that quips and I'm looking at these characters and I'm thinking this is going to be Marvel's first bomb. This movie's going to be bad. (laughs) And I went in with really low expectations and I walked out like, holy shit. I love these characters. These characters are great. Yeah. Even after Guardians of the Galaxy 1 and 2, the way that they intermingle with the Avengers and stuff in in Endgame and Infinity War, it's so funny. Rocket Raccoon with Thor is one of the greatest pairings. Yes. In, in that
0: movie it's so Amazing.
1: Good. I was so surprised by this movie. It's just a really fun watch.
0: 100% it's fun. There's there's no better word to describe this movie other than fun because it it has all the seriousness and the tie in between some like Gamora and obviously Thanos and her sister, and how everyone separates and starts doing something different, and it, with somebody else, like Rocket with Thor, for instance, like you were talking about. Guardians of the Galaxy, just watch it. It's so good. It's a fun time. If you haven't seen it, just go watch it.
1: Great soundtrack, too. That's the one thing.
0: I, one oh, other thing
1: I wanted to mention. Great. Soundtrack. I
0: actually, while I'm working, it's such a PG thing to listen to because they're oldies, because obviously he's got mixed tracks and they do it. It's really cool that they did a whole nother soundtrack for the second one. So he's not listening to the same mixtape. He's listening to a different one. So it's really cool that they were two completely different soundtracks. But yes, amazing soundtrack. The movie score is so good. James Gunn knocked it out of the park.
1: On to my number two. We're going back to 2004. This is my oldest one on my list. We briefly mentioned it earlier. It's the follow-up to one of yours, Spider-Man 2. No matter what I do,
0: do you love me or not?
1: No matter how hard I try, I want Spider-Man dead. It's the ones I love who will always be the ones who pay.
0: I can't keep thinking about you. I'm getting married. I want a life of my own. I'm Spider-Man. No more. Different. i let things get in the way before there was something i thought i had to do i don't have to i like seeing you tonight peter now on
1: to the main event octavius is going to put oscorp on the map in a way my father never even dreamed of no! crazy scientist turns himself into some
0: kind of a monster four mechanical arms welded right onto his body you take spider-man's pictures where is he
1: sick of off your loyalty to spider-man and not your best friend ah! Spider-Man to me. How do I find him, Peter Parker? I'll find Spider-Man, or I'll peel the flesh off her bones. There are bigger things happening here than me and you.
0: Ooh, okay,
1: Doc Ock. Yeah, I love Spider-Man too. I really love the first Spider-Man 2. or the, the first as well. I really love the first Spider-Man as well. But the thing that I love about Spider-Man 2 is that it allows us to explore more of Spider-Man's territory. As a big Spider-Man fan growing up, I already knew the origin. And I think that's one of the tough things for comic fans. Watching a first iteration of a comic book movie is that, you know, the origin story. And like you said, with Man of Steel, we don't need to see that again. Right. And although I love seeing Spider-Man on screen, Spider-Man 2 allowed us to follow up two years later. And it's a Peter Parker that we didn't get to see a side of where he's been doing this Spider-Man gig for two years and everything around him is falling apart. So Mary Jane is married or she's engaged to somebody else. His grades are slipping. He can't keep a job. And now J. Jonah Jameson and the media are against him. And he's ready to call it quits until this new villain, Doc Ock, appears played by Alfred Molina. And it is such a great villain. But you still have shades of effects of what happened to the Green Goblin in number one here as well. So we're dealing with that Green Goblin side of things, and we're dealing with this new villain in Doc Ock. We have special effects that are night and day from the first one. It's just two years later, but they've done so many cool things with the special effects. I think the train scene in Spider-Man 2 is one of the most iconic superhero scenes in all of movie's history.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely.
1: Of course, you still have Tobey Maguire as Spider-Man reprising his role, and he's even better in this one. His chemistry with Kirsten Dunst is great. I think it's got enough enough romance for people who love romantic movies and enough action. It's got a great pace. I just I love Spider-Man 2. If my number one didn't exist, this would for sure be my number one favorite superhero movie of all time, and it was. It will be one that I show my son as soon as he... I think is mature enough to watch superhero movies. It's gonna be Spider-Man and Spider-Man 2.
0: I love that in, in the movie they did such a good job at his relationship to Doc Ock before he becomes Doc Ock is so pivotal to the whole plot of the movie to the point where I mean, even at that point, they established it so well with us and how nice he was as as a character, as a as a real character, to where we're like, man this guy's a really nice guy. Like he's really cool. And then as soon as everything kind of turns, we're like, ah, oh, it's one of those things where you're like, don't kill him. Like, don't, <laughs> like, don't, <laughs> yep. I don't want to, I don't want any harm to come to Doc Ock, but he's doing such bad things that you're like, damn man. Like he's really gone off the deep end. You see, it's, it's almost like you feel, you feel bad for him and you don't want, you want him to succeed. But at the same time, it's like, nope, sorry. Spider-Man's got to stop you now. Cause you're, you know, you started being shitty
1: it's always great when a villain has a side where it's where you can be sympathetic to it. I'm interested to see what your number one is to see if we have the same number one. Cause up to this point, we've only really duplicated one movie.
0: I wouldn't be surprised if we don't, but I also wouldn't be surprised if we do because my number one drum roll, you need to get a drum roll going on this, on this podcast is the Watchmen. Matter of time, I suppose.
1: Watchmen. One of us died tonight. Somebody knows why. Somebody knows. Harry had been working for the government. Maybe it was a political killing. Maybe someone's picking off costumed heroes.
0: John thinks that there's going to be nuclear war.
1: What if that's why someone wants us out of the way? So we can't do anything to stop it. An attack on one is an attack on all of us. Watchmen are over. What do you suggest we do about it?
0: Retribution. The Watchmen is, in my opinion, one of the greatest graphic novel rendition movies. Again, going back to my boy Snyder, Zack Snyder just knocks it out of the park with this movie. This was even, obviously, before Logan. This movie came out in 2009, and... Really, the cast is kind of what did it a little bit for me because Malin Ackerman or Malin Ackerman, the one who plays Silk Spectre in the movie. You've also got Dr. Manhattan, who's Billy Crudup. I mean, really, though, you could go through this list. Matthew Good is playing Ozymandias. You've got Jackie Earl Haley, who's playing Rorschach. You've got Jeffrey Dean Morgan, probably the most well-known one, who's playing the comedian. Patrick Wilson is playing Night Owl. Everybody knows Patrick Wilson. I, I mean, it's your casting is so unexpected for a movie like this that it just makes it so good how well they mesh together. And then you talk about a movie where superheroes really aren't superheroes. Like Night Owl, for all intents and purposes, doesn't have any superpowers. He's yeah. literally just a person that is going about you know his day. The only person that really has superpowers besides Doctor Manhattan is um, Rorschach, the way they establish the darkness of the movie, even with, you know, some of the scenes in the very beginning with the comedian, the old superheroes and the new superheroes and how the new superheroes, it's kind of a, like a close group. It's not really like a lot of them because most of them, you know, aren't around anymore or stop doing it or whatever. And the dark times that they're kind of in now and Dr. Manhattan's being established kind of as, as this. Sentient being as he is, but a sentient being with a giant dong hanging down, and everybody's going, What in the world is happening right now? And he is kind of discovering his powers and he's going through all of this, this whole process of, you know, discovering what's going on. You kind of follow him through it. And then to have Rorschach basically sticking to the guns and he's the one that's staying as the superhero, and the other superheroes are kind of like, Meh, we don't really know. And then Rorschach. like the jail scene if we're talking about good scenes in the movie the jail scene is the most iconic and he's basically just fucks up people inside prison and that's a great scene it's just it's fantastic you've got silk specter and she's looking beautiful and you've got it's just so good and compared to reading the graphic novel which is an amazing graphic novel if you've never read it you should it's freaking amazing because and the reason I like graphic novels is cuz it's like a picture book. Like it's like a comic book but it's just longer. And the rendition and how well Snyder was able to capture the darkness using his darkness powers to make this movie just absolutely it's like it's like if you took a superhero movie and Sin City and kind of meshed the two and then yeah, it's just an, a great movie.
1: Yeah, it's really gritty. It takes place in like a kind of an alternate universe in 1985 visuals are really striking. This is one of my favorite Zack Snyder movies. Now, when I actually first saw Watchmen, I didn't love it. And I think because I, I didn't know what to expect. I had not read the graphic novel and the graphic novel. Well, and this movie, too. But they're really dense. Yeah. And it was two and a half hours long, close to three hours long. So I didn't love it when I saw it in the theater, but I actually revisited it earlier this year. And then I really started to appreciate how good it was. Rorschach is a great character. Actually, all the characters in this are great, but it's just a, a well-told story. It does deviate from the graphic novel in mm-hmm. ways that kind of make sense for the screen, mm-hmm. um, especially with the ending. So if you're married to that graphic novel ending, you're you may be disappointed with this, but it's a great, it's a great superhero entry. This is a good pick. I'm glad we don't have the same number one. My number one may be kind of predictable. I think it's one of not just my favorite comic movie of all time, but it's also one of my favorite movies just in general of all time. 2008's The Dark Knight.
0: Where do we begin? A year ago, these uh, cops and lawyers wouldn't dare cross any of you. I mean, what happened? So, what are you proposing? It's simple kill the Batman. Here's my card.
1: Bruce, this is Harvey Dent. Rachel's told me everything about you. I certainly hope not.
0: You once told me that we'd be together. Did you mean it? Bruce, don't make me your only hope for a normal life.
1: You're Alfred, right? That's right, sir. Any psychotic ex-boyfriends I should be aware of? Oh,
0: you have no idea. Good evening, ladies and gentlemen. <laughs> We're at tonight's entertainment. Well, hello, beautiful. You look nervous. I've seen now what it would have to become to stop men like him. The night is darkest just before the dawn. And I promise you, the dawn is coming. And here we go go
1: this one is really defined by its villain played amazingly by Heath Ledger as the Joker it's one of my favorite villains on screen in any movie he's great as just this chaos agent it's the follow-up to Christopher Nolan's Batman Begins which kind of set in motion this DC darker comic universe and this just ups it to a whole nother level This movie could easily be rated R. It's still rated PG-13. But everything in this movie astounded me when I saw it. And I've seen it dozens of times since then. And I I love it so much. The score is great. The visuals are fantastic. This was the first one, I I believe it was the first one, where they started using IMAX cameras for Batman's universe. And it just looks great. You also have another great villain in Harvey Dent as Two-Face. And you don't see the Joker's origin here, but you see Two-Face's origin, and you can totally understand how how this would happen. You see Batman dealing with personal strife and kind of a death in the family, if you will. So good. I cannot get enough of the Dark Knight. I think it's why I was so disappointed with the Dark Knight Rises, just because this one was so good and so tough to top.
0: Oh, you didn't like Bane?
1: I liked the character of Bane, but I did not like. Darkness
0: is your ally.
1: I actually didn't mind his accent in that as much as I. I I disliked the script more than I disliked the characters in that one. Yeah.
0: Did you like? Did you like Anne Hathaway?
1: You know, I didn't mind Anne Hathaway. I thought she was fine, but you're just never going to get a villain that's as good as Heath Ledger in this.
0: Okay, so obviously, after Heath Ledger, rest in peace. You know, everything happened after this movie. And you saw, not to deviate from the movie, because we'll definitely go back to it. What did you think about Joaquin Phoenix in stepping into the shoes of the Joker?
1: I loved his performance in the Joker, but I really did not love that movie as a whole. Okay, I think he's one of the best actors alive, and I loved his performance. But wh- when I walked out of that movie, I was like, "This is Taxi Driver just with the Joker," and I think it could have been way better. So- script
0: One thing that I love so the Joker if I was to say my favorite villain in all the superhero universes the Joker is number 1 100% because the Joker is and his relationship to Batman is they are a necess- they are necessary to each other they need each other that's the whole reason that it works yin and the yang because of that these two characters it's not like Superman and Lex Luthor it's not like any of the other it's it's just, it works. And because of that, in The Dark Knight, it took a different path with it because it wasn't the same relationship. And Heath Ledger portrayed the Joker in such a different way that worked well, but it wasn't the same Joker that everyone has known all of these years. The Joker has always been... A goofy, crazy, psychopathic, but still at the same time he's doing like goobie stuff. Like he's giving like you Like Jack
1: a, Nicholson in 89 where exactly. he shoots a
0: gun and bang flag comes right? out. So you see that, and it's kind of like, okay, this is what we've seen up until now. And now we get to Heath Ledger, and Heath Ledger being the amazing actor that he is, he portrays the Joker in such a way that we we truly are wondering what's going to happen next. Like he has you guessing the whole time and they did a great job at making it seem like, like he's really working behind the scenes, but he's also there. Like he knows what's going on, but at the same time, he's not present. He's omnipresent. The way he's trying to teach a lesson through the bad things that he's doing to Batman, but at the same time, it's kind of backfiring on him so he's not really having the full the full idea of what people will do he thinks he understands human nature but apparently he doesn't kind of thing that conflict that they give the joker which we don't ever see the joker have conflict and the fact that Heath Ledger was able to have that pencil scene where everybody's like what is going on right now you know i mean The darkness behind that and the darkness behind his eyes and his character and how deep he went into character for it was just absolutely amazing. It was pretty interesting that they threw two villains at us. And like you said, Two-Face and the Joker in the way they portrayed. I mean, really, we didn't get to see Two-Face kind of until the end, right?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Last third of the movie.
0: Yeah. So, but up until then, it same thing as like we were talking about, where you establish a character as someone that you love, or at least care about, like in your Spider Man, and then all of a sudden at the end here, we're like, uh oh, now I'm now I gotta hate him. You don't really want to, because this whole movie you followed him. So I, man, I agree with you. Dark Knight, great. Great freaking movie.
1: I'm old enough to remember the internet chatter when it was announced that Heath Ledger would be playing the Joker and people were so upset. Like this guy from 10 Things I Hate About You is going to play the Joker. But he showed that he can just his tics, the way he speaks, the way he moves his face. So iconic. So great. Just killed one of my favorite movies of all time and definitely my favorite comic book movie. Well, that's our list. Uh, what were your also rans that you really wished that you could have brought up but <sighs> didn't get a spot?
0: Man, so one of them is The Incredibles. Yeah, it's on um, mine too. I I absolutely adore The Incredibles one and two. Um, it is just an amazing family movie. Uh, the first one really does such a good job at like making you making you feel Mr. Incredibles' disdain for normal life. Like, he just, just from the little moment that he pulls up in that little tiny car and he's, like, stuffed into it. Like, <laughs> Wonder Woman is on there. I actually really loved the Wonder Woman movie. I think it was a great movie. I think they did such a good job at establishing Wonder Woman as a character. Batman Begins was on there. The Dark Knight was on there. And then I think the last one I'll say for my honorable mentions was Iron Man. And that is mostly because of the staple that it created. For everything else Robert Downey Jr. being the amazing person that he is and really showing everyone the world that you know here I am this is it I'm back I'm good I'm awesome and he really just encompassed that character and obviously the script is you know the reason it succeeded but yeah those would be my honorable mentions
1: I had a couple that were not mentioned. The Winter Soldier was really one of my favorites. I, I just wanted to keep it to one Marvel Cinematic Universe movie. There were two movies that didn't have characters with superpowers, but they would be considered superhero movies. And so I kept those off because I, I couldn't leave The Dark Knight off, but I wanted to leave off movies with people who didn't really have superpowers. So those are Kick-Ass. Yeah, and- that
0: was a good one kick-ass is such a fun movie the second yes. one's
1: terrible but the first one's great
0: first one's great it's got <laughs> it's, it has uh oh uh, why can't i think of his name mclovin Krishna. mclovin and it had it had nick cage yeah
1: nicholas cage is in there yeah that was so
0: such a good movie man
1: and then another james gunn movie starring rain wilson called super
0: i don't think i've ever seen that
1: oh it's a good one it's It's more of a person who wants to be a superhero but doesn't have the powers to do it. It came came out around the same time as Kick-Ass, and it's got a very similar arc. But there are some moments in that that, number one, you'll never forget, and number two, you'll never see coming. And then uh, two other ones that I really think are worth mentioning but just couldn't make my list. Unbreakable, the M. Night Shyamalan movie with Bruce Willis and Samuel L. Jackson.
0: Yeah, I despise M. Night Shyamalan with a freaking passion, so...
1: I I love that movie. I think it's a great superhero origin film. And then Josh Trank's Chronicle, which is a found footage movie of three kids who get superpowers. And it's really cool to see Dane DeHaan and uh, the person who would play Killmonger, uh, Michael B. Jordan on the same screen. Really great effects. A really, really good debut for Josh Trank and Chronicle. Yeah. I've never seen that one either. Oh, it's a good one. It's found footage. And there's some things with the found footage that don't make sense, but If you just throw out the logic of the found footage aspect, it's a really solid, it's almost less of a superhero origin story and more of a supervillain origin story, but it's really good. Well, thanks for participating and coming up with a really great list. I think anybody listening has some really great choices to go and seek out to get your comic book movie on, especially in this summer where we didn't have any. Well, now I've got time for you to plug whatever you want to plug. So, what should people watch or listen to or go visit? What do you want to what do you want to shout out?
0: I'm getting into the I'm getting into the game. I've, I've we've done a few podcasts before, The Guardians of Discourse. Things are probably going to change up a little bit. We'll we'll start doing our thing, whether it's myself or other people or whatever. We're kind of going to create a group hopefully of a of a podcast just to get together, have fun. It's definitely not your mom's podcast if you are going to listen to it. Don't have your kids around, but that's the Guardians of Discourse. I also stream on Twitch every once in a while. I definitely want to get into that. Maybe some YouTube content. I'm Snoop Dogg with a T H on uh, on Twitch. Still the funniest gamer
1: tag name that I've ever <laughs> heard. Of.
0: And then uh, I also there's a there's a buddy of mine. If you're into the game Destiny, he's a Twitch streamer. His name is the Bearded Luke. He's amazing. I'd like to give him a shout out too because he's a good friend of mine. It was great being on here. I really enjoyed I really enjoyed this. I think it was I think it was a fun conversation for sure.
1: I agree. So go watch some Twitch streams and where can they find the the Guardians of Discourse?
0: Uh we're kind of on everything. Uh I I haven't done Spotify. I got to get Spotify up, but SoundCloud, uh mostly YouTube. YouTube's going to be the best way to find it.
1: So go check Vince out at The Guardians of Discourse there and listen to some watch some Twitch streams. If you want to be on this show, Anybody can be a guest. You just have to love movies and be able to carry on a conversation. If you have a topic that you want to tackle, email me directly at force5podcast.gmail.com or head to the website force5podcast.com, which has a show request form. And it's got other Force 5-related stuff there. I've got a blog on there now, and I'm doing some reviews that you won't hear come up on the show. So go check that out. Until next time, stay safe, stay sane, and watch some superhero movies.
0: What I need is a woman who can think And fight, and you come at the same time. (laughs) Force 5.